Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is known in the University of Oregon classrooms as a professor of journalism and cinema studies, known in the streets as DJ Food Stamp. We are joined by Andre Sirwa. Woo. Sir Wu? Sir Wa. Yeah, I'm saying woo because you got my name right. Yeah, I had to look it up. I did some research, some Google searching. <laughs> I did my own research. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, actually, I had someone else do it for me, but... <laughs> Uh, before we start, I'd like to re- remind my listeners and watchers to check out the Spent the Rent Podcast official website at strpod.com. There you can see a list of our local 541 community sponsors and become a donor for as low as $5 a month. Uh, and I would greatly appreciate the support. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. All of the links can be found on the website at strpod.com. Andre, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, happy to be here. Ooh, we already have a comment from the real Dr. Dre and Patty, uh, Thomas, <laughs> Thomas Hira. Uh, shout out to Thomas. What up, man? So, yeah, so I've, I've been, we've been corresponding the last couple of years, mostly over Celtics games. Yeah. Uh, you're originally from Maine. I'm a Mainer. Yeah. A Mainer. Yes, sir. So, <laughs> ah, uh, so, so, uh, we kind of, we've crossed paths through mutual friends, through hip hop. I work on campus. You work at the university, mm-hmm. the Boston Celtics. But in these last couple of years, especially with this finals run, I feel like we've became brothers, like inter- yeah, oh, internet, yeah. internet yeah, brothers. Of course. It's kind of funny. So, uh, I mean, I don't have a lot of like people out here that love the Celtics. So, I mean, I'll take whatever I can get, you know, I, I'll take anything. You I, know? I, right. Right. And I haven't seen a human being in person. Yeah. No. In, <laughs> since, <laughs> since 2019. No, but. Uh, I just am a big fan of what you do. Uh, you know, I think you're a super funny guy and I've been trying to, oh. trying to find the right time to get you on the podcast. And this, since this is two weeks before, you know, classes start mm-hmm. back up, I felt like this would be a good time. So let's get right into talking yeah. about why, you know, why I have you on. The first thing I want to talk about is really funny. I looked it up and the first thing I found about you was rate my professor, which everyone, <laughs> everyone on the internet has a score and yours. Is, I mean, I understand as a barbershop, it's really important that maybe not for, <laughs> maybe not for a college professor, but for a barbershop, it actually is yeah, like the number yeah. one marketing thing. But, uh, your, your rate, my professor score is a 4.5. And oh, and it's low. <laughs> has it gone down? And you've received super high praise from your students and from everything I've read, you're beloved by your students and you're passionate about teaching them. So tell me what your class looks like. Yeah. Um, Rate my professor. What a what a joy! It's kind of like the MySpace of uh, of of reviewing faculty, um, but it's you know I saw I saw on there. I actually went on there. I've been teaching for a hell of a long time, and just had 
you know, within the last few years, the rate my professor page made, you know what I'm saying? Because a student has to initiate that, you know, so it was just kind of funny funny to see that i don't have many tamales though <laughs> yeah it's yeah the the beauty of, of rate my professor though is you get to like see inside the soul of a frat boy so they'll be like yo <laughs> yeah. yo andre's goaded yeah goaded yes he's goated. very goaded he's goaded <laughs> and andre's class was dope he's a dope guy <laughs> so so that's that's good yeah, to know so ridiculous uh, yeah so your focus is on journalism and cinema studies but it's not just about watching movies. It's about much, much more. Could you tell me uh, what you thrive to educate your students on in the world of cinema? Yeah. So, um, you know, I teach cinema and uh, music now. I moved on from the, the journalism school. Um, and, you know, I was really, really fortunate to uh, land in cinema studies when we had, we were a little program. We had 35 students, right? We like, and they had, they had, I just got my PhD and they just started and, the dopest part was I got to get in there and basically create my own identity and create all my own classes. So I spent the first few years uh, inventing like eight classes from the ground up. You know what I'm saying? So I got to think of all the things that I had, that proficiencies that I had, you know, knowledge that I had that I thought like young people would need and would be valuable. So I was like, well, you know, I've been researching and writing and talking about intellectual property law for a long time. I'm like, students have no fucking clue about this shit and every day they are creating and infringing on intellectual property rights right and they have no no concept of it and they're they're creatives and they have social media now and they're always making stuff so i'm like yo maybe i can teach a class on remixing and intellectual property law and cinema studies went for it and you know i was like yo i'm like i, I love music video you know i have a pretty decent background in music video production i'm like what about a music video production class boom um i'm like yo i watch a lot of south park I can't believe this. I'm like, yo, what if we use South Park to talk about, you know, philosophy and critical and cultural theory and shit like, you know, race and sexuality and, um, you know, you know, politics and, yeah. and all that stuff. And, and they went for it. You know, it was dope because they were they were new. So I was like the first faculty member taught the first class for them and, and all that shit. And we went from 35 students to, you know, roughly 350 and we keep growing and went from like one faculty to, you know, 15 or 20. So I got in at the ground floor and got to kind of create my own space and identity, which never fucking happens. You know, when you come out of a PhD, you apply for a job, you get that job, you usually go to some shithole in the middle of nowhere, America, and you teach what they want you to teach. They hand you a syllabus and you teach what you want to teach. And instead, I got to basically create what I wanted to teach. And, you know, it's been, damn, it's been, you know, 11 years at Cinema Studies. I also teach for the School of Music. I teach a hip-hop um, history and culture and, you know, aesthetics class over there. Um, you know, and it's been 11, 11 years. And, you know, the, the, the reality is, you know, that shit is valuable. Like, these things are are valuable. And, you know, for me with, with teaching, it's not like so much like, uh, let me, you know, let me tell you stuff and let me tell you esoteric stuff that I know it's more for me as I always looked at teaching as like the performance of, of knowledge, you know? Sure. And so it's an act, you know, it's almost like a stand up routine. Yeah. So after COVID, after two years of people press and press and play on me, you know, this year I got back into my stand up routine and that shit was like, I had to get all my, my, my jokes back and all my my things back and all my you know my song and dance back you know so but it, it's been it's been so cool you know to be able to um you know do my own thing and, and the dopest part about being a faculty member even when you're like me i'm an instructor so i'm not 
a full professor i don't you know get all like the perks and all that 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 shit but like you know it's just a su such a cool thing because i have so much autonomy so much freedom like no one knows what the fuck i'm doing like the students know but like no one else really knows you know what i'm saying so i could show up and like you know like tell dick jokes and juggle and ride a unicycle for 10 fucking weeks and unless a student complained no one would know you know so you have a lot of freedom right in that, and that's and a beautiful i mean thing. i'm sure that there's you know like i said about the you've been goaded you know so <laughs> so uh i'm sure that there's there along the way the style that you have it, will upset someone oh yeah <laughs> you know but that being said i think a lot of people are so happy to have something that's a little bit off the cuff and I think, I wonder if the reason that they gave you that freedom was because the people that are just making those decisions have no concept of hip hop and young, you know, youth culture. So you are working to meet people where they're at and that sure. is like, they're like run with it. And sure. I think that the vision that the people that made that, that decision, which I have no concept of who it is, but still, I think that's really good yeah. that they kind of let you go for it, you yeah. know? Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, um, and someday I'll just be the old crotchety person. If I'm in Eugene long enough, I know I'm going to have like Birkenstocks and a little magic leather pouch and a fucking yeah. white ponytail and a walking stick and go to go to go to class and teach teach like that you know i'm worried about being here too long and, back in the and, day and you could it. buy those at antrican which is across the street from what's the, now 7-eleven the, the magic pouches yeah yeah and the ponytail you could buy those uh everything smelled like nog champa <laughs> i got a funny funny little story speaking of of, of the goaded and and frat douchery um one of the greatest reviews i ever got from a, a student was a female student was like when i took this class the first day of class, I thought this was a douche frat boy reliving his youth fantasy. And then I realized throughout the term that this is one of the, you know, like she totally went on to like love, love what I did and everything. But she thought like my introductory thing was just so like douchey and I was going to be such like a, you know, a misogynist, blah, 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 blah. You know, she's like, this is fucking amazing. You know? I mean, that's so. the goal of college is to kind of break down some of your assumptions about the way the world works, right? Absolutely. absolutely. So, I mean, that's a big part of it. I'm sure that there'd be a lot of people that just wouldn't understand, but the kids themselves benefit from these classes. I want to talk mm. deeply about the South Park and Society class. Oh, I think, yeah. I think my listeners are a wide range of, of age and demographic mm -hmm. and whatnot. Uh, and there's people that probably have never seen South Park and just assume that it's Family Guy, which Family Guy I've never been a fan of. I, I mean, it's I'll, bullshit. I'll, I'll, I'll it's laugh. Bullshit. I'll laugh at Family Guy. But I will feel bad about it because <laughs> because it's there's no intelligence. Well, no, it's a clever show. It's just really big. It's just a it's, bunch of and it's a bunch of random jokes. Yeah. I mean, the South Park creators fucking hate Family Guy because there's no like South Park always has like like they have like gone with a theme throughout a whole fucking season. Like there's a whole narrative arc throughout a whole season. Family Guy can't keep a narrative arc for more than a minute. Right. And then they go into some random ass joke, you know, so I mean, it's, South Park did a whole episode about it. But I, I do think that South Park has really made over their 25 years or whatever mm -hmm. it is. They have really made some extremely good social commentary mm -hmm. and bad and bad and bad <laughs> and, and heinous and crass. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, it, it it's. Trey Parker's a genius when it comes to the music, but it's also why it's so good is because it's so terrible, mm -hmm. you know, but I reading up on, on, uh, that course that you offer. So some of, some of the homework is <laughs> that you need to go home and watch like team America. Right. And 
clips from it. Yeah. I mean, homework is literally watching several South Park episodes a week. That's like part of your like your home stuff. And then we watch shit in class too. And, and we kind of fuse it all together and top, talk about it topically. You know, How many people have never seen the show that take the class? I would say... Um, any of the Chinese students I get have not seen have not seen the show because it's banned in China. Um, you know that, right? Yeah. Self Park's banned in China. Y'all know that. So right? is TikTok, right? I don't know if TikTok's banned there now. I mean, it started there, right? And yeah. then it was banned here, and then or it was going to be banned here, and then like yeah. whatever. But anyway. um, yeah, like so, uh, I would say probably, oopsies, I would say probably about roughly five percent have never watched an episode before, and then there's probably about ten to fifteen percent who've maybe seen a couple episodes, and then I usually get a good amount of students whose parents wouldn't let them watch that shit. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like they wouldn't let them watch that shit. Although they can just go onto the internet and go to Pornhub and like, like, you know, but you can't watch South Park on, you know, whatever. So, I mean, it's just like, yeah, but I love those students. Those are like my favorite, like the, the super fans, you know, that whatever right <laughs> you know but it's real cool to get a south park virgin you know and sure. like it, it's because it's like yo you're gonna get like if you've never seen this you don't really know what it's about you can get fucked up like it's gonna make your head blow up in some in some way right like because yeah. i mean like i remember when i first saw it i was uh, 17 and i was just like you know what the hell is this and also like there's no way a show about asses shit and dicks is is gonna last oh yeah you, you know on no Comedy way. central no way and no way and they they went from just being about that and then figuring out how to use that um you know there's a nice term we use in the class called scatological humor which is you know shit jokes you know essentially um but it's a way to, for me to like make it seem academic so kids students can tell their parents you know they're, they're not just burning their money um you know but uh you know, they, they took that scatology or scatological humor and then they applied it to thing like cherished traditions that we have, cherished institutions, political institutions. They applied it to, um, you know, common ways of thinking, ideologies, etc., celebrities, you know, all these things and, and essentially equated them in some way to shit or puke or semen or, or something like that, um, you know, which brings... The whole concept is it kind of brings, um, <clears throat> you know, these people we, we revere, athletes, celebrities, you know, whatever institutions we revere, brings them down to the level of, of the common, you know, sure. like the common people, you know, and that's kind of like the, the, the dope, the dopest part of the, of the show. And it helps you see the flaws in you. If you love the Kardashians and you watch the new Kardashian show on Hulu or, or whatever, you don't see that. You don't see them for what they really are, you know, so South Park tries to like, you know, I love the Snooky when they do. What the fuck is it? What the hell is a Snooky? You know, it's like my one of my favorites. Like, yeah, what is a Snooky? You know? Yeah. yeah, I mean, so is it, are you aware if there's other people teaching South Park courses? There definitely, there definitely are. And everybody, I think, has their own unique approach. And it's taught within, um, you know, uh, different types of departments. A lot of them are philosophy departments or wow. media studies departments. Um, and cinema studies is kind of really in between. Like, we really focus on, like, cinema studies. And then also part of our curriculum is on uh, filmmaking, production, sound design. Um, I teach a sound design class for films. So we do like footsteps and Foley and wow. ADR and stuff, which is super, super, super dope. Um, you know, but, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I think, you know, just South Park is just a great tool to kind of like get you to think about the world. And, you know, I mean, you got to think, man, like well, I do a whole week on political correctness. And, and, you know, at a liberal institution with mostly liberal faculty, like, you know, and, and, and liberal students 
who believe in PC and I believe in elements of PC, like, you know, using language to create equity is important. But when you, when you call someone out uh, for their microaggression so that you can post about it for your own sort of cultural currency sure, and capital, yeah. it's bullshit. It's like, yeah. it, 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 it's like, Oh, I did something nice for someone today. Let me post about it. Like the fuck that, like you do something nice. So, so it allows us to talk and really talk. Cause there's a lot of discussion with me and the students. Once we get through some of the concepts and stuff about like, about these things, because like, yeah, like they go to this institution where, you know, PC um, political correctness is really like, pushed and advocated and, and and all this and that's great um but like we also find out like the way that we go about being politically correct by forcing language on others and by like i always use the example of like your fucking uncle who won't use them or whatever you know your your salty you know kind of bigoted uncle wh- whatever and if you come at him and you're like you're this and that and you're just going to alienate him more and push him more to the end of the table at thanksgiving versus like having a discussion or like you know? like i was saying before about you know Meet them at their level. Yeah, like, meet right? them at like, their level, man. Yeah. You and have s- to find a way, like, you know, to explain things so that someone can actually comprehend it so that they don't feel attacked. The attack is the worst. And that's, I mean, that's where we're at now in society is we, we just go at people who don't think like us. And then when we're met with that, then the, it's the easiest thing in the world is we just censor, block, well, unfriend, and, and you only, know, whatever. And the only reason that I know that is because I've made those mistakes. Like, I've yeah. tried to reach out you know, I've tried to change the world and it hasn't worked because I've approached it. Like you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of like, let me learn. And you know, I'm, next week I'm going to be talking to uh, a woman that's running for state representative in a rural community. So mm-hmm. that that's going to be something we're going to really dive deep Fuck into. Yeah. Awesome. You know, uh, you know, let's talk about, you mentioned it before, but remix cultures. This is yeah. a really, really important class uh, for what you do. It's probably the, the primary focus of what you yep. do. Uh, and, and the course book, is that for that is the hip hop DJs and evolution? No, that's just a book. That's my dissertation that I took, turned into a manuscript. I, I'm not one of those faculty members that writes a book so my students can buy it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? The book is available on Amazon and I think we're going to end up talking about it in the, when we talk about remix cultures, the book is called hip hop DJs and evolution of technology. Mm -hmm. And then the subtitle is cultural exchange, innovation and democratization. Mm. Tell me about the book and tell me about the class. Yeah. So I'll start, I'll start with a book. Um, the basic concept of the book, you can also download a free creative commons ebook. Uh, yeah. It's cheap to buy. I'm going to probably end up buying it so that it can sit on the shelf. uh, I I might not read it. Yeah. You don't need, you don't need to read it. I can just summarize (laughs) it it to you. Collect memorabilia for my guests. So it's basically, um, Yo, I interviewed all of like my favorite hip hop DJs, turntablists, and then I interviewed all these people that um, you know, that produce equipment for DJs, you know, uh Rain, Vestex, all these, you know, iconic companies that produce equipment that DJs rely on. And my whole sort of what came from it is I actually went to this this company called Rain and they were in Mulcateo, Washington, right? And I went up there, it's right it's right near Seattle. I went up there right when I started my whole thing. And I had a whole different idea, right? I was like, how does digital technology affect what DJs do? And Rain uh, partnered with a company that makes Serato, which is like one of the first really um, core digital vinyl softwares. Anyways, I go up there and they're telling me all about how they do R&D, research and development with like name brand DJs, like, like um, you know, innovators in the culture of technique and all that stuff. 
And then how they use their names and their likenesses to be brand ambassadors and sell those products to authenticate them within the culture. And I was like, holy shit, fuck. I'm like, what does this look like? You know, historically, like how many of the products that I love and I bought because I saw, you know, uh, the, you know, Invisible Scratch Pickles or Q-Bird or Mixmaster Mike or DJ Craze like endorsing or having their name on it. And then who also, who also gave them ideas? Because a lot of what I kind of found out was that a lot of the DJs who they put on the, on the box and on the, you know, the name on there, they weren't necessarily even designing, like they weren't giving design ideas. So the whole idea really, the concept goes back to how have um, these corporations that produce technology from D for DJs since like the seventies, how do they, um, the whole narrative is, you know, hip hop steals and borrows and, and I was and borrows from corporations and there's they're taking, I was like, well, how do corporations take from the culture? How do sure. they take their intellectual properties and commodify them and then sell them back to the culture? And I found that throughout, you know, the history of DJ mixers from the late sixties, early seventies on was basically DJ's technique, advancements in technique were encoded into technologies by engineers who had no fucking clue about right. the culture. And eventually what they did in the 80s is they brought in DJs to give them actual ideas. And then the products improved because I want to do this and that. And then they started using those DJs to be brand, not those DJs, but the name brand well-recognized DJs to be brand ambassadors for those products. So the book kind of looks at that process which i coined technocultural synergism you always as an academic you always uh, and by the way i'm a recovering academic i don't fucking do that <laughs> shit anymore i don't do conferences i don't write journal articles i don't do that shit no more um because i felt like it was intellectual masturbation no one reads your shit and when i wrote the book from my dissertation my main point was to write it so that the people who i wanted to read it most would read it not intellectual academic types um but djs would read it as well and so i wrote it in a way of a style that was readable you don't need a fucking terminal degree to read it you know what i mean so um and i got hated on by the reviewers of the book at the publisher and all that because of that because of my mixed voice approach and i was like yo i'm like i don't want this to just fucking sit in a, voice, in a library mixed voice meaning you talk like a human i talk like a human and like a nerd you know a human nerd and and try to make like that shit accept the information accessible because so so much of what academics do is fucking important but it's inaccessible to people because they can't fucking read it and they're bored after page yeah, one see, that's you know something, that's something i can relate to because that's what i've tried to do with what i do i'm not an educated human being i barely i i skipped classes in high school very nice but that very being nice said, that being said i've learned and i've had a lot of guests that have given me the, a chance with this mm -hmm. and that's something that i've really valued because yeah. when you get too into the weeds you lose the average person right gone and so if you can do something that they can relate to then they'll mm -hmm. hang on to your every word and then be educated by it so yeah. that's something that's really good i try i tried to to um like i said the there's a free ebook, you know version and that was my thing is most of the the market for um academic books is libraries yeah and i was like that's bullshit so someone has to like be at a university to go to a college library to even access the text i'm like i want an ebook and so i went to like a lesser known publisher with worse royalties and all you know everything till i found someone who would let me do his ebook because you're not making shit for money i think i've gotten 42 dollars in royalty <laughs> you know what i'm saying a whole that's 42 pretty good from amazon that's more yeah, than yeah. from spotify yeah yeah it's pretty it's, pre it's no. pretty bad yeah no. I, yeah it's a soundcloud uh rapper uh I mean, that, but there's a whole there's a whole thing about getting the word out that it even exists, you know? And so, yeah, it was dope, dude, because like, it was like, 
you know, as a, like a hip hop DJ, turntablist, whatever, I knew I would, I'm not going to ever like win major battles. I'm never going to be like, you know, part like give to the culture that I love like that. This is my contribution. And it was dope, man. Cause I got the book to mix master Mike. He fucking loved it. DJ Jazzy Jeff. He loved it. Like all like D styles loved like all these like, like influential, you know, people loved it, you know, and they loved it as a contribution. Um, because no one was writing about it. I write about this dude, DJ focus. Who's like, you know, he invented the first contactless fader and he's like this dude bedroom inventor from Arizona and it was a, and it was revolutionized the industry because before your fader would wear out, you have to buy an expensive fader. Before that, you'd have to buy a whole new mixer. And he made this thing, and I have one of his four prototypes. He he, he gave me one of his four prototypes um, that he totally just like came up with this idea of like a light sensor to you know go with your clicks. If, if any any DJs out there know what I'm talking about, and he's kind of been like written out of the history. So I got this dude to come out of like a cave. And he he hated on the industry because he got hired by the company that made his his technology and they botched it and he worked there for a few years and then he got kind of like bl- like blacklisted like pushed out of the industry and he didn't talk about his shit and so I got him to after years of me poking at him got him to come out and tell his story and like codify it in the book and so uh, I love that like you can read about him um, and and stuff like that and so it was it was do- it was kind of really dope to do um and to and to put that out there and just you know create and contribute to the culture in a sort of different way but i don't require my students in my um in my class to in my remix cultures class to to buy the book and that's why it's only made 42 dollars in revenue yes. because yeah. people have bestsellers and it's because they force people to buy yep. it yeah which I, is a criminal thing i had a, a ticker on the how many downloads i got and it was in the thousands at you know one Still, point because people sure. were sharing it like i had people hit me up from russia who got oh. their hands on it, which is dope because they're not gonna get that fucking from amazon you know so like like the turntablists in russia could get that shit but um you know my philosophy you know with uh all that stuff and even in the remix cultures and all my classes all my content is free online so like students don't have to buy a textbook ever i only use creative commons licensed books and 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 stuff for them um my book is also licensed as creative commons which means it's copyright it has copyright but it you know you can do certain things with it that you can't do with an all rights reserved book um so i think like you know knowledge scarcity artificial scarcity of knowledge which the whole um you know college and university system relies on making something that's vastly available knowledge and information making it scarce by charging a fuck ton of money for people to have access to it right um i think that's i think that's bullshit you know and i mean i i get my my income from that you know but i also do think it's bullshit so i want students to pay the least amount of money as possible i also really try to get students to not fail classes yeah. Because students who fail classes are economically viable for the institution because then they have to retake classes. Like, you have to really fuck up and not do anything to fail one of my... You have to, like, really fuck up. Like, not do anything. I'm so soft, you know, like, I'm so soft on all that stuff because, you know, we all know grades don't mean shit after you graduate. They don't mean a goddamn thing. No one's ever going to look at your GPA ever fucking again in your in your life after like after that. Like it, it, it doesn't matter, you know, and, and and it matters so much to students cuz they're pushed that grades matter, numbers matter, all this their 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 whole lives, you know, and it's and and, and so I, I don't really vibe on that. So point is is like I don't like to see students fail. Um, you know, but if they don't do the work, they're not going to Yeah, if you don't do the work the and you're not, I mean, but, obviously. But the universities want 
they want that. Like they want that because then students have to pay to take a class again or another class. So it's it, it creates you know someone who's having to buy the same product multiple, multiple times. times. And, yeah, yeah. Like we do with Madden and Two K. Yeah. Well, like you, know, you do. I don't play I, no fucking yeah, video no, games. Yeah. Uh, so. so uh, when did the whole DJ thing start? I mean, DJ Food Stamp, first of all, how did that be? I hate this question, but like, yeah. where did the name yeah, come sure, from? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. It's pretty obvious. But. Yeah. Well, uh, I view myself as like a DJ before I was an actual DJ. So when I was uh, in 19, I got into hip hop as a as a B-boy uh, with the great break exploitation era of the early 80s where like, like break dancing was like the element of hip hop that was everywhere because it was spectacle and it was like visually awesome and kids were break dancing at the fucking, you know, at the fucking malls in Iowa and shit. And like, I was like, you know, and so I got into it like, like that. And I started doing like tape loops and, and stuff like that when I was, when I was real young, like six or seven and found out I could plug my uh, headphones into a mic jack and it, you know, you could, you could record your own voice. So start just fucking around like that. Um, and always loved, like always loved hip hop since like the early mid eighties, like real young, my, my neighbors were into it and they got, like, they got me hooked on like run DMC and fat boys and shit. Um, and I always wanted to DJ, right? Like I, I, you know, I would see Eric, Eric B and Rakim and Eric B's faking, scratching on like, yo, MTV raps. But I was like, yo, that's so fucking cool. And I tried shit like on like my little Fisher Price on my parents, you know, turntable ne never really worked out. And I'd fantasize in the back of the source magazine at like the DJ in a box, you know, but growing up in Maine, you know, in the eighties and nineties. It wasn't like you had someone down the block who was a DJ because there wasn't a block. It was a fucking woods, you know? So, I mean, like, and there wasn't shit like Guitar Center where you could go and put your hands on stuff, on equipment, sure. you know? So there wasn't access. And that's one of my things is, like, all about access, giving people access to 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 it, to the stuff, you know, um, the democratization. So, anyways, I uh, go to college in uh, New Britain, hard hit in New Britain, Connecticut. I go for, like, D1, like, running scholarship, and then I get taken out after my first year i get some accidents and stuff and i'm like oh it's fucking free time on my hands i'm like been a you know competitive runner for a long time uh distance athlete and biking and all that i was like yo i'm gonna i'm gonna go to the radio station i'm gonna get a radio you know i'm gonna get a radio thing at the radio station and i go in there and i, I got a fucking turntable set up and I, uh, mixer and, I'm like, uh, and they had like you know we're in like this is right outside hartford so there was like dope djs sure. too and i get in there and they're like what are you gonna play and i had all these tapes you know and and they're like, well, you got to play clean versions. I'm like, oh, fuck. And, you know, they're like, we have these small stacks. And so I just basically was like, fucking hey, man. I start buying records. And, you know, that was kind of it just to get the clean versions. And I started DJing and, and they'd shut. I, my, 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 first, my first shows before I had my setup was at 12 to 2 in the morning. And then they'd shut off the transmitter till 6 in the morning. You know what I mean? So I would stay there till six in the morning when everything shut off and I would practice all night long, you know, with my with my records. I went through mad mad names, DJ Scratch and Sniff, Edward Needlehands. Um I think Dr. Bombay was like my earliest radio name, right? Just some bullshit. And then I fucking, you know, I'm a junior in college, I'm spending all my dough, all my work study money, everything I can on records, right? And we're talking like hip hop records that were coming out, underground shit, MF Doom shit, fucking, you know, We Be Foolish. I'm just thinking of some names like off the top of my head, MF Grimm, you know, whatever was kind of coming out, Big L, all that, you know, all that stuff. Um, and I was like, yo, if you're a federal work study worker, you can apply for food stamps. Like, 
like anybody who's federal work study can apply for food stamps. I hire students for work study and you know, they're always asking me to sign off so they can get food stamps. I was like, yo, I'm gonna apply for food stamps. I'm, I'm, and I fucking applied and they denied me. I was like, what the fuck dude? But I was like, yo, that would kind of be like a dope, stupid name. Right. DJ food stamp. Because at the time we're talking late nineties, everybody was like, DJ image, That's you know, rad. you yeah. know, it was all about like how many, how dope you were and how much skills you'd have and, you know, like a cool fucking name. And I was like, yo, I'm going to pick the dumbest shit that no one will fucking ever forget. Like what? no and one will forget it. Cause it's so stupid. And you don't have to worry about someone else having it. Dude, you know? when I first moved to Oregon and this is like, I, the problem was that I built up my name through this website, undergroundhiphop.com, which was like the global leader in like, um, you know, uh, selling records and like underground hip hop stuff, you know, for a long time. And, uh, they distributed my shit on mixtapes. So I put out like 60 mixtapes that like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of those collectively went out all over the, the world. So I, you know, then I built up my name as DJ food Sam and you can't go back. Like I probably would have gone with like a different totally, name, but you sure. can't go back. You build it up and you're like, shit, I, I can't go back. My first move to Oregon in 2006, there was a DJ food stamp in Portland yeah. that just came out as DJ food stamp and was had a few different names. And this is this is against like what I believe, you know, in so many ways with like you ownership. Killed, you killed him, didn't I you? fucking I hit him up on MySpace and I was like, "Yo, man, I'm like, yo, do a Google search before you give yourself a DJ yeah. name." You know what I'm saying? Because that's like the least thing you could do is like do a fucking Google search. You know, like and you killed and, him. And, and I didn't kill him. I was said I said go back to I think his D, his name was DJ Fanny Pack. That was like his other alias. I was like go back Which to Fanny is pretty Pack. Good. I'm like that's a good that's a good name. I'm like DJ Food Stamp is also a good name. But like I went to high school with a kid that was into graffiti, and he wrote Ludicrous, and I was like. You can't do that like that, and he's like, "I've been doing it longer," and I'm like, "He's won a Grammy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like, you could do like Luda one eight nine or whatever your street sure. number is or something like that. But uh, no, but and his name is and and is it Christopher Bridges is is ludicrous or something like that? This dude, this dude's <laughs> name. Shout out, he's gonna hate me, but his name was Elliot, the kid I went uh, to high school yeah, with. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, dude. You can't use ludicrous, and he's like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he didn't get to. Well, I mean, dude, Aesop Rocky and you know, Aesop like, yeah, Rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know like Aesop. You know, it's just like all these. But Aesop Rock stole it from the fables, right? Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I'm joking. I mean, we're joking. talking about product markets, no, know, right? Like, I'm you know, kidding. it's just it's just kind of funny, man. Yeah, I mean, it's cool, and and you know, it's it's definitely been like you said when you lock in with a name, it's really difficult to change. You're done. Yeah. If if you if you make some noise. You know, I made a little bit of no enough noise to like. Or if you're proud of the work that you've done, I mean, I've yeah. I've made a lot of music and it, it hasn't done a ton, but I used to go by the name Self Esteem But Willie. Even when I started the podcast, I was going by Self Esteem But Willie, and I got to a point where I'm like, people can't remember it. You know, for one, it's a long name. It's but too it's, long. It's catchy, and I don't want anyone to call me Willie. Yeah, you know, and yeah. so and I, and my mom passed, and I was thinking that's when the Patty Rose thing kind of came to me because my mom's last name was Rose and mm-hmm. and I and like you said I googled it and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that nobody in me in art and entertainment I had, done had the name the name Patty Rose and I'm like I'm going to mm-hmm. run with it. Spent the rent was my record label which is my living room. Mm-hmm. And I mean I, you know <laughs> you know but still everything I do now I mean it spent the rent LLC that's my whole brand. Yeah. And I, there's no going back from it now. Yeah. I initially started in wanting to write punk rock lyrics 
And I was like, Spent the Rent would be such a sick punk band. But I didn't have the patience to learn how to play instruments. So I was like, <laughs> I could make some little hip-hop beats. And then I'm like, I want to make hip-hop music, but I want it to sound like punk punk music. Yeah. And then that, you know, I, I found my own little niche. And yeah. that was kind of cool. And I mean, but when you have when you have your music, even if you're an amateur, next to Red Hot Chili Peppers on your Spotify playlist, that shit makes you feel pretty good. Yeah, fuck you yeah, know? it does. So even though I pay them to have my music online. Yeah. I do get like 6 or $7 a year. In there royal, you go, in royal, man. In royalties. Yeah, that's yeah. that big bucks. So we could take your 42 and my 6 or yeah. 7 and we can go buy like yeah. a family of four well, or some McDonald's. One of, uh, one of the fun unknown facts, speaking of royalties, is um, one of the most, uh, I would say, economically viable known tracks I ever was. One of the few things I actually am like, I, I've done scratches for a bunch of artists for hooks. My man Blackistan being one of them who passed last year, um, who's in the demigods. Um, but this dude from my hometown named Spose, what up Spose? Um, you know, rapper, real talented artist. Um, I did a bunch of cuts on this song called I'm Awesome. Came out in like 2009. And it was like something he put on a, little, a mixtape he made and and he was selling out the back of his trunk. Well, it started to pick, pick up traction on the local radios. And then it fucking blew up. He got signed to Universal Republic. Fucking went platinum and all this stuff you know um i never saw a penny which i wasn't mad about but i never saw no credit on that record i i when that when that happened i said when, when he got signed university republic i'm like i want to be on that record like it needs to say scratch featuring dj food stamp scratches by dj food stamp like it would say featuring ludicrous yeah, featuring yeah. patty rose sometimes the dj gets screwed on that. sometimes they never they never get their props because they're considered a session musician they're not considered a featured artist and i was really fucking so here i am writing about <laughs> dj's intellectual properties being yeah. exploited and dj's also don't get publishing rights yeah and for me the way i look at it is you know the way you pluck a guitar string you pluck a guitar string and, and coax a sound out of it and you 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 focus that sound and that noise into music i'm doing the same shit but i'm just using a record or someone else's voice right and the way that i uniquely cut up the 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 audio the audible phrases you know um create their like a unique music of authorship so i went through and notated all that shit not western notation i used a scratch notation because i can't fucking i I can't read first of all i can't read the whole sentence i can't read yeah i can't well i have i have dyslexia so i can't actually like properly read like you read or no i I don't like how most people read you know yeah 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 yeah. so so and and i also can't read music like that so i notated it because i was like yo i want to get some fucking like i should get some publishing out of this like not even because i wanted publishing just because like djs should notate their shit so they should get publishing but they don't because they're they're session musicians but if they scratch a rapper's vocals the rapper's considered to publish a songwriter on that fucking song and gets pub you know what i'm saying so i was like that's fucking bass backwards but the funniest part was the last phrase on the song was uh kanye west saying awesome and i was cutting that up and when he got signed to universal republic and this was also me not, not being about my business i should have i should have said like okay he goes listen they want me to recut that part because I can't use fucking Kanye because then Kanye will be a songwriter and we have to clear it and all this Which stuff. Which is ironic, Which, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Because he's the biggest thief. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing is like, yeah, like DJs would cut up, like DJ Premier would cut up someone's vocals and then they rappers who also borrowed heavily and yeah, relied yeah. on borrowing would fucking sue him, you know, sue him for publishing or whatever. And so uh, I had to recut the 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 last phrase of it being cut up 
um, using Spose's voice, you know, and I should have said then like, all right, well, let's, let's be about my business. Cause I, I just didn't know it was going to go like this. Like sure. I didn't know he was going to get, you know, whatever, but dude blew up. Um, and then he faded off like the mainstream thing. Cause he couldn't do what they didn't do what they wanted. Didn't. And then he took all that money, took everything and he started his own label in Maine and put on Maine artists, which is fucking preposterously dank, super fucking dope that he did that. And he's, he's successful. He's, he played in Eugene a few years ago. Um, and I couldn't go see him for some reason, which is, or Portland, maybe it was Portland, you know, and I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't go up, you know, but anyways, that's, a no, that's cool. Little, I mean, story. And, and I, I didn't really ask the question, but I was going to say, you know, if the big thing that you talk about is intellectual property and, and that challenge, you mm. know, and, and how to kind of define what that looks like for a DJ, you know, and, and I mean, the new programs make it a little bit easier to give credit where credit's due. Not everyone does it, you know, sure. like you can list on Spotify, you can list every, you know, instrument, every person that has sure. any type of uh, credit on it. You know, one of the local musicians that I've talked to a lot on the podcast Lee Jones, and I mean, he's a folk singer, but mm. uh, of Buffalo Romeo, he takes a lot of pride in making sure everyone gets credited, you know, and it could be it's a beautiful. guy that plays a cymbal, you know what I'm saying? But he's going to, he's going to credit it. And I wish more people had that kind of mentality. Well, that, that, I mean, that's how it works in the mainstream industry, right? Beyonce has 4,000 writers on Which her album yeah. and it's literally a dude or, you know, in the studio who's taking a fucking weed nap, who wakes up and goes, yo, you shouldn't do it deep to deep to deep. You should do it dot, da, 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 da is a fucking songwriter on that song. Like that person gets credit in that, that mainstream industry because it's like, yo, I just fucking da, 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 Beyonce, I gonna fucking get paid, you know, on, on this record. I, I wrote that, that, you know, that melody or, or, or came up with that melody for the song. And it's what makes a song, you know, but I think, you know, on the more independent level, that ain't the norm. Credit ain't, it, it ain't the norm. And for me, I just wanted credit for me. I wanted, I wanted people to know, that I was on Blackistan's record. And fucking, dude, this is so crazy. The first record I did Cuts for Black on um, was released by B Brick Records, which is a label in Boston that put out like uh, uh, acrobatic and Mr. Lift, you know, stuff and, you know, whatever local Boston, but big, big artists for the, the indie scene. And I was like, listen, you know, um, and the, the guy who runs the label has an intellectual property entertainment law degree. Um, and, and we've you know, kicked it, communicated a lot on, on various subjects. I was like, listen, man, I'm like, all I want on this from y'all is just credit. Make sure I get credit. The fucking album comes out, dude, and my name is on it. They credit several of the other DJs. I'm like, dude, like out of all the fucking people, you can't give credit. Like, like I just went through all this with the Spose record and like, I, that's all I wanted to hear, bro, was credit. They He's probably like, oh, would have given you credit if your name was DJ Fanny Pack. Yes, Fanny Pack would have gotten it, but the DJ Fruit Snack did, did did not get it. But I mean, I think I think you know that's the thing is I think like you know for me like a lot of the stuff that I do put out there I do put out as Creative Commons licensed photos of On DJ purpose. mixers stuff. Yeah, because I want people to use them and I'll allow for commercial uses because my my whole logic is this: Who the fuck am I? No one really knows who I am, right? But if I allow Nike to use one of my songs for an advertisement, they have to give me credit. You know what I mean? That's worth way more to me than me getting a few thousand dollars out of them and no credit because I get credit on that. I get to add that to my resume. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So credit has its own currency in so many ways when you're doing something value valuable, you know? And so... You know, so I think that there there is value. I mean, money too, man. You want fucking... 
sure. want money, I mean, but yeah. money will come from that, right? Oh, you did that Nike commercial? You did that Nike spot? You did this or that? Like, we want you to do that, you know? So, I mean, things right. can come from that, getting getting An opportunity and whatnot. So, you are, still, you are still definitely in the game. Uh, <laughs> I mean... Like, what, barely. Sure. But, you, I mean, you've you got something going on tonight, right? Like yeah. You're going, so, you're going to be down at... Level up, baby. Level up. Yeah, eleven years. I think eleven years they've been open. I've been I've been there since. Yo, I've been in that building, uh, that where Level Up is on Thirteenth and Oak when it was the district, and, the, and when it was the fucking Indigo the district. Indigo district. When, when they too. had the waterfall in there and everything, I was de- I was de- I started DJing when I f- first moved out here in like '06, um, and I went through all the phases. Luckily, uh, I left there before all the crazy bad shit happened that got that place shut down and had their license like i wasn't part of none of that which thank god and um you know but it was so dope when i found i was becoming a bar arcade and i like i hit up my man uh, quills kenny wilson who was gonna be who was a bartender there at at the time or gonna be i was like yo i'd love the fucking dj there so i did their soft openings and i've been there ever since every fucking friday Minus a little bit the last couple of years. And sure. when I go to Ireland to teach, um, you know, I have someone cover for me, but mostly every Friday religiously. And it's so dope because I fucking play whatever I want. I play whatever I feel like. They told me, you know, um, when the college kids come and request a little something, little this or, you know, whatever, bull, you know, bullshit, pop music, don't play it you know do your thing so i I do exactly whatever i feel like it could be funk and soul breaks and then i'll go into like old school hip-hop or i'll go into like down tempo beat stuff um you know or or play like some psych rock weird shit soundtrack music whatever it is so um you know but that's it that's the that's like the last thing i'm keeping because you know four or five years ago i was doing three or four nights a week at clubs um and various clubs in eugene dance party shit and it just it, the music got to be so painful and playing it's like soulless yeah. bullshit and the same shit over and over like how many times can i play this is how we do it without not wanting fucking poke my i mean i hated that fucking song when it came out i never liked that because sh- i'm really like it but if it's friday night this is how you do it that that's how you do it you know you know but i mean like i don't know man so like uh yeah i'm like on that but i'm still doing like cuts for people like i'll still occasionally do scratches i do a bunch of cuts for my man Smythe or spinach out of out of portland he's a former student of mine he's super super dope so i do cuts for his records you know and um we'll do some you know we'll do some stuff you know if if people are going to get out there like i never i never ask for money um it's more like you know if you're gonna put your record out there push your record push your music and my name will be attached to it and that, that's, that's kind of that you so know. teaching real quick before we get out of here i want to yeah. i want to ask about this uh teaching study abroad programs uh, over in dublin right Mm-hmm. that's amazing yeah it's fucking unbelievable I, I mean i had the luxury of going to ireland last september and it was mm-hmm. life-changing i like, it's such a beautiful amazing place mm-hmm. and i felt like i was home and you know there was no Donald Trump. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, so, what what do you teach over there? I mean, is it just? Yeah, so I'm real lucky. Um, so the the program is a five week study abroad program in in in, in Dublin, South Dublin, so Dunleary. Um, so it's a little bit twenty minutes south dart ride of uh, city center. And I teach at the um, the the National Film School. Thing about Ireland is super dope, and a lot of other countries they have a national cinema, right? The U.S. has no national cinema. We just make sh- crap and export it. You know, we make entertainment and export it to the world. There's no 
culture to it. You know what I'm saying? Right. In America, what is America's culture anyways, right? Like uh, exploitation, colonization, fucking hegemony. I don't even know, right? But um, Ireland's government um you know funds filmmakers like they give actual tax dollars and ireland has one of the highest um theater going like per capita you know in the world um so there's a real dope film culture there so um i teach at the irish film like the national film school which is so dope they have a national film school and uh i teach irish cinema right so an american dude um and i rotate with uh another faculty uh member um and I teach an Irish like identity and cinema class, right? As a, an American guy, and then we have an Irish filmmaker or filmmakers who teach filmmaking or screenwriting. So they get to learn the actual production stuff from you know people from Ireland, but they learn about the Irish <laughs> film from the American dude, right? And the first time that I did it, I had no experience. I had no real knowledge. I'm like not an Irish film scholar, you know. I didn't really know what to do. And I didn't have a great background in it. And I kind of filled in in an emergency situation. But I fucking loved it, man. And I learned myself up. I knowledged myself up, you know, enough to where I could do what I needed to do. And um, it was it was so dope, you know. And it's so cool to see how, like, a cultural identity, a cultural history is reflected in a country's cinema. And one of the dopest things that we do um, every time we go is we go to the Galway Film Fla. And if did you go to Galway? Uh, I think we drove through. Oh yeah. my fucking god! If you, when you go, go back, back yeah, you go yeah. to Galway. It's the funnest fucking town yeah. in, in Ireland. Um, they have the Film Fla, which is the like a big film festival, and it's all like the up and coming features and indies and all this stuff. And dude, you go and like. Neil Jordan, the director Neil Jordan's there. I was watching a short that the Gleasons did, Brendan and Dom Hill and, and whatever. And I look over and those motherfuckers are two seats over from me, you know. So when we go out, I get all these like selfies with Brendan Gleason and stuff like that. And then they all go out for drinks. And it's like, dude, like it's crazy. Like I'd see like I saw Dom Hill on the fucking dart, you know, at like like ten o'clock at night riding the fucking train, you know. Um it's just kind of nuts there because it's like you don't have that here. No, it's you don't just a magic have, place. It's just magic. Yeah, because I, yeah. I don't. I don't drink, so like I didn't even experience that part of it. But, yeah, <laughs> and and that's you know that's a huge part of of the culture. But also, I mean, p- people are just so kind. You know. It, it, yeah. Well, that's sort of like the stereotype of Irish people. Like they're going to be. Su- you know, I I think they are kind in like their own way. Just like, but like the idea of like Irish kindness is kind of like a you know a, well, a, a, it stereo- something that, a stereotype it was something that i could i felt good about because yeah, it wasn't like people were blowing smoke up your ass it no, was, you know no, what i'm no, saying no, like no, it was no. it was it was just this charm i mean everyone no matter what it's like what I get, what can i get for you and then you yeah, say they're like yeah. lovely yeah 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 <laughs> it no it didn't matter i mean that's that was the best part is just kind of like it you know you're there for so long you integrate with the people the students live with families yeah five um, weeks of being and cool. and we go on all these like we go to film uh, studios. We go to um, you know cultural like historical sites. We we go to the um, Kilmainham Jail. Like all these things though have that have been in films. You know what I'm saying? Like that have been in movies. So um, and then we go on hikes and you know all this stuff. We have the weekends off. I mean, nice. it, it, it's I and call it so much. To I call it a teachcation. I teach three days a week, sure. and, and we watch and talk about films, and then we do stuff. And you know, we go swim in the Irish Sea with the. St- I'm I'm a little bit different. Like I'll go 
like I'm more like out and about with the students doing stuff. We go, we go, went to the uh, pitch at Croke Park to um, see some, you know, Gaelic football and, and a, a hurling, yeah. hurling matches. Yo, if you can ever check out hurling, I wanted it's to, one of the fucking know, coolest fucking games. It was, man. they weren't allowing uh, fans at the, when I, when we were there for any sports. So, well, you know, COVID, but we'll be going back. The you know, dopest sure. part about the, uh, the leagues is that the leagues that play at Croke Park, um, each county, each of the 16 counties has, um, you know, I forget what they call uh, the women's hurling sport. It's a little bit different of a name, but it's the same sport. And, and the Gaelic football. These are all like your fucking phys ed teacher, person who works at the hardware store, who practice. And they come out, you know, on the weekends and people come from their counties to support these like un, unpaid athletes. And then... Everybody who volunteer, everybody who works there volunteers. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's just so fucking dope. You know, and the British when they when they colonized Ireland, they banned Gaelic and they banned Irish identity sports. So they banned Gaelic fo- football and they banned hurling. You know, amongst many other many other things. So it's just so dope. You know, just to kind of get get over there and just kind of like um, feel all that out and 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 you know uh, you know. You know, man, Ireland has a very sad history, right? Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Of colonization, of death, plague, all that stuff. But like, then again, like the spirit of the people and the people who celebrate that sort of kind of sad history, but but in a in a in a kind of a beautiful way, um, is is really it's really amazing, really it's about amazing perseverance experience. and being yeah. a survivor yeah. and just not letting that shit, you know, get to, get the best of you. And, like and, it can take you down, but. And if you're an American, it's one of the easiest places to go, right? Because, like, everybody speaks English, although it's sometimes hard to understand. You know, like, yeah. all the street signs are in English. You know, they're English and Gaelic. Um, you know, unless you go to Northern Ireland, it's a little bit little bit different, a little more British, you know, um, there. But, um, you know, so it's an easy place to get around for, for the students, right? Because, like, you know, some students have never been out of the country, never been, you know, whatever, and they, they go and, like, they they don't know what the food is they don't know what the fucking how to get anywhere you know so i mean it's kind of cool to go to a place like that's a little bit it's a nice it's like, digestible for sure it's totally digestible yeah. and the, it's a beautiful the place the blood sausage beautiful place and you yeah. float in that sea man it's so salty that yeah. you're so buoyant the snot green sea it's just so yeah, it's pretty, so cool it's pretty great well andre andre sirwa woo <laughs> and uh I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, you know, I want to thank you for coming on yeah, and doing this. Happy I picked to. a song that we were going to play and I got to be honest with you. Uh, I picked it based on the name alone. Okay. I knew that we were going to close, uh, talking about Ireland and that kind of yeah. stuff. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to end it with the song. Andre, thank you so much for coming. Yeah. I'm going to end this with the song. The the dope part about the song you're going to play, if it's the one that I think you're going to play is I actually um, brought my sampler to Ireland every time I've gone and I cut this up there. So Nice. Um, this was know. in Ireland. Yeah, I that cut it up and, 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 and hooked up the loop there. So, so I'm gonna end this with a song. This is the song by DJ Food Stamp. This is Lucky You. <laughs> <laughs>